If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at, only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems? Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together. You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show. We're joined by Rebecca Tafe, the Chief Creative Officer and Founder of Red Start Creative, Clear Communication by Design. And we're here to talk about Rebecca's story and how you can create design that not only looks good, but communicates exactly the message you want. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Joey. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad you were able to come on during these busy, busy days of summer. Yes, yes. Things are moving and shaking. <laughs> yes, and you had mentioned off the call that there are a few resources that you'd love our listeners to check out while they're listening or even after the podcast today. So what were some of those free resources that you share? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. We love to share um, our free resources because we find there are things that we love to talk about on and on, but sometimes they need a little bit more explanation. And so there are a couple of places anyone can come and get free information about design and marketing from Red Start Creative. Um, no strings attached. Um, we have a blog that we're posting two blog articles a month. Um, so we might give you um, five tips for great email headlines, or we might talk about um, different ways to make your homepage on your website better viewable. So those are those are usually two a month. We actually have a really great one in there on on how to access grants. Um, a lot of good resources in there. Then every Tuesday, um, we do a Tip Tuesday Live on Facebook Live. And so typically that's a topic we're going to do ahead of time. We'll release the schedule out for the month. And so it's myself or somebody else from Red Start Creative. And we'll, we'll talk, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes on a topic. So it's like a mini webinar. Um, and there's time to chime in for questions. And then our three, third resource, we're really excited, um, brand new this year in 2017, is we are offering lunch and learns. So we uh, moved into the Towson University Incubator last year. So we have the space to do lunch and learns, and they are free. Um, we will talk about everything from how to create a marketing budget, 
how to create a direct mail piece. Um, and then we have one coming up on September 27th, which is how to write grants for marketing dollars, which is really very important for nonprofits. Yeah. And so you mentioned that nonprofits are, are those the uh, types of clients that you take on exclusively or do you work with other types of organizations? So we work with both nonprofits and small businesses. Right now, I would say we're probably a little more on the majority of the nonprofit side. We love the nonprofit industry, um, and we really just have a heart for mission-driven organizations. So obviously, nonprofits are a natural fit. But there are also a lot of small businesses that are very passionate and driven about what they're doing. And so we really love to work with those owners as well. And the interesting thing I found is nonprofits and small businesses both have very similar um, challenges when it comes to marketing. So they need to be very careful about their budgets and they need to maximize their efforts. Um, and some of the similar the similar things we would recommend work very well for both types of organizations. Awesome. And I definitely agree that there are large nonprofits that by definition would not qualify as a small business, but you're right. Um, they, they still have to manage their resources effectively, especially when they are uh, funded primarily or in part due to donor contributions. And you want to just make sure that those dollars are used effectively. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that we really love to do is help our nonprofit clients communicate effectively out to their donors and build those relationships. Well, let's let's dive into that a little bit. What are some of the common challenges that nonprofits face in communicating the value to donors? And what are some tips that you might have to make that information a, a little bit more clear and uh, and have a greater ROI? I think sometimes the challenges are um, frequency. You know, you want to build a relationship with your donor, and there's so many great ways to do that um, in today's world. Typically, you don't want to be mailing just a fall direct mail and asking for money, and then maybe an annual report where there's a mention or a thanks in there. You really want to look at how can I communicate to them throughout the entire year and build a relationship with them. And one of the things I love about um, you know, all everything we have now in this digital era is there are a lot of really great digital resources that make it easy for nonprofits to reach out to their audiences. And I would say one of the first really great things is an email newsletter. Um, there are so many email platforms out there. MailChimp is our favorite um, yeah, for, like you know, too. that it's great. It's great. And especially for those grassroots organizations or a, a startup small business that's really bootstrapping it. MailChimp is free up to 2,000 email addresses. So, um, and they most recently opened up um, some of their automated features to the free users. So it's a very powerful platform. And so one of the things I would say is be communicating to your donors on an every month or every other month basis and tell them what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be reinventing the wheel. It can really be talking about here's what we're doing, here's a little snippet on this, here's what we have coming up, and a thank you. You don't have to write, email newsletters by nature should be short and should be brief, and then they can drive them into your website for more information. Nice, nice. Um, and websites, you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different options with websites these days. We develop websites on the WordPress platform 
because we like to develop those so that our clients can go in and manage and update those on their own. So we'll do training and then they're able to access that, update it with events. But for somebody that doesn't have, you know, again, somebody who's bootstrapping or starting up, they may not have the budget to hire somebody there are very simple WordPress themes they may be able to do on their own, or you could use a service like Wix or Squarespace to build your own site. And then, of course, there's social media, um, which is great these days. So many businesses and organizations and nonprofits are using social media. One thing that I love to point out is we really recommend that nonprofits are on Instagram. Instagram is a really great place to reach donors. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. That's because the uh, medium household income skews a little bit higher on Instagram than it does on Facebook. And the, the users are pr primarily women. And typically women tend to be the philan philanthropic uh, drivers in the household. So that's a really great place for a nonprofit to be. You know, that's, that is so fascinating. I would have never thought that a, the key social media for a nonprofit would be on Instagram. But it makes sense. It's visual and the demographic information that you said, uh, that makes sense as well. What about with linking to, I know one of the, the challenges with, with Instagram is that it doesn't necessarily let you link to a new update or a new page every time you make a post. Um, how can a nonprofit maximize their, I guess, Instagram uh, real estate? That's a great that's a great question and and a clarification. Um, we would recommend that that they choose Facebook as their first platform and they do it really well okay. because of the large majority of people that are on Facebook. And then as their second channel, they work on Instagram. And you can really you can really um, impact you can really impact your reach on Instagram by an effective use of hashtags and so, and, and tagging and tagging at locations. And that's a really great way to, um, to use your Instagram platform and people are seeing it and you want to be very visual as well because people are scrolling through and they're going to see that. Um, and it is a growing, it is a really a growing platform as well. So again, we would say Facebook first and then Instagram. Yeah, and with fa with Facebook owning Instagram, I've seen the way that they have uh, developed on the back end some, I guess, admin channels that you're alerted of Instagram activity through the Facebook platform, or there's like a, a pages manager, or business manager type of functionality to keep the communication between those two things kind of in one place. So, yeah. Yes, it's changing. It's changing very quickly. I just saw something the other day um, that was new that I saw, and it was you could log in with your Instagram and link it, you know, connect it with your Facebook. And there's a lot of it's changing constantly. Um, and I'm really excited to see how those two platforms connect together. And you can also see how it's evolving. So Instagram um, this year released Instagram stories, which is very similar to Snapchat. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I noticed with Instagram stories is it doesn't, it didn't allow for that interaction. So um, people could watch your story, but then they'd have to go to your profile and click to send you a message. Well, now when you're doing an Instagram story, somebody's watching that, there's a, now there's a field right at the bottom that somebody can send you a message right away. So, and there's a lot of other things in Instagram stories that are now built in that you can drive people to link. So, I really see those platforms evolving to be very complimentary.
Yes, yes. And you mentioned that Insta Stories is very similar to Snapchat. Just your professional opinion, you know, how effective is Snapchat in the, or not how effective is Snapchat, but should businesses be on Snapchat? And if so, what sort of, uh, what's your recommendation for using Snapchat for, uh, I guess, driving customers or brand awareness? Well, so much of it really depends on the type of an organization. I would say if you are a retail organization um, that is serving millennials, absolutely you should be on Snapchat because Snapchat has a lot of really great geotagging filters. Um, you can do different filters based upon geographic location. Um, so that there's absolutely a market for that. And it really depends on what your demographic and who you're, who you're looking to reach. So an organization could have different channels in social media really looking to reach out to their different audiences. So for example, um, a nonprofit, their Facebook and their Instagram could be primarily donor facing, but they could be using Twitter to communicate out to the clients that they're serving. For example, we have a client that would use Twitter to tell them um, they would serve meals, but then they would also use Twitter to alert people when healthcare for the homeless would come by and people could, it would be available for medical um, for medical services. So there, it really depends and there's so much you can do within social media. And that's one of our favorite things is one of our newer services that we're doing is we're offering monthly digital marketing support packages because what we found is people, you know, the responsibility for social media falls on somebody's desk. They usually have a list of responsibilities before that. And what we're finding is if we can talk with them, set them up with a strategy, support them on a monthly basis, you can really see that impact with the social media and, and where it's going, as opposed to just getting, just getting posts up there to get it out there, or just you need to have more consistency. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said for having someone who knows what they're doing uh, utilize the tool. It's almost like if you gave a... a you know, an expert driver, the keys to a Ferrari, they're going to, they're going to get more out of it than, you know, some rookie driver that, that doesn't know how to drive stick. So, um, definitely makes sense to, I'm a big fan of, of outsourcing, obviously with an outsourcing company where you can have, uh, HR experts work for you, but definitely on the digital marketing space too, it pays to have someone who knows what they're doing to, uh, to leverage your, your accounts for you. Well, absolutely. And, and it's like we just said, it's changing so fast. Mm -hmm. You can't possibly keep up with all of the changes unless you are monitoring it constantly. And that's what I love. We have two really great social media strategists on our team. And so while I'm generally familiar with, with what is going on in social media and the strategy in our channels, they're also tuned in to, oh, hey, you know what? Facebook just changed their algorithm or now Facebook is adjusting where they, they're allowing a little bit more text in their ads. They were Last year, they were so, so strict on the amount of text that was in um, any sort of ad or boosted post. And so they're staying in tune with those small, subtle changes. Um, but that really helps. Just as an example, we started doing our Tip Tuesdays, our Facebook Lives, um, I think in the late winter, spring of this year, because they were paying attention, Facebook was really promoting video. So we hopped on, we were, we started to do it. We were a fairly early adapter. I wouldn't say a very early adapter. Um, and we noticed 
a huge increase in our reach because Facebook was really waiting and giving more value to people that were using Facebook Live. Nice. So yeah, being on top of those changes can help a brand maximize their return on the the work that they do on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's um well, first of all, for those of you that are tuning in, we are joined by Rebecca Tafe and she is the chief creative officer and founder of Red Start Creative located uh, just north of Baltimore, somewhere between that Towson, Baltimore. What, what do you prefer, the billing of that Towson or, or Baltimore? We're technically Towson, but I like to tell people we are south of the Towson area. We are part of the Towson University Incubator, but our building is actually a little south of campus. So it's super easy to reach from either the Beltway or to reach from Baltimore City. Um, because a lot of the clients we serve in Baltimore City, I'm like, we're very close, and we have free parking. <laughs> and uh, definitely, you perked my attention because parking is such a commodity in the city. It is. It is. <laughs> let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about you. Now, I know that you've run Red Start Creative, and you've you've had the company now for almost eight years now. Congratulations! Yes, thank you. <laughs> let's let's walk back a little bit to when you were thinking about starting the company and. Uh, what what was going through your mind at the time? What prompted you to, to step out? And uh, what advice would you give for someone that's looking to start their own company? Well, Joey, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because I I really love looking back and going, so I've been running a business for eight years <laughs> and <laughs> reflecting on the fact that I was not... I was not the kid with three businesses by the time I was 14. I was not thinking of being an entrepreneur when I was young. Um, I will say I was the oldest and I have three younger siblings. So I was very good at bossiness or delegating, whichever you would prefer. Um, so I may have organized my fair share of neighborhood activities among the kids, but I was never um, necessarily looking to go down the path of owning my own business. And in fact, when I was looking at colleges, I was primarily looking um, into education and becoming a teacher. Hmm. So it's funny. It's funny how um, life takes you in different ways. And in high school, I was um, very fortunate to be exposed to both yearbook and newspaper. And so I was working on the old Macs that looked like fish bowls. They were so mm -hmm. small. I mean, the screens are so tiny. Mm -hmm. um, they're like, the screens are the size of like what an iPhone plus is. <laughs> and those were our computers. Um, and I would work on yearbook and newspaper layout. And I was an editor. And I was like, I could do this as a job. Okay. Um, and then I went away to school. Um, I need to give a huge shout out to liberal arts because even though I knew this was the route I wanted to go, I went to a liberal arts school, um, Mary Baldwin College, now University in Stanton, Virginia, and I had a great variety of subjects in college, which was really very important because when I got out to start my own business, I really felt like so much of that influenced it. So I was an arts communications major, which meant I took arts classes and some communications classes but I also had to take psychology for my science credits and there was an English class in there and there were a couple of other things. Um, also very fortunate, I had a ton of leadership um, leadership opportunities on campus. I went to an all women's college and so um, there were a lot of leadership opportunities while I was there and I really feel like 
I can trace a lot of my entrepreneurial skill, leadership skills back to those kind of formative years in college. So I was very fortunate of that. Still did not, you know, have in my radar that I was going to run my own business one day. Um, my first job out of college, I worked a little over five years, um, a small advertising agency run by a woman, um, a lovely woman by the name of Fanny. And she was just the heart of the company. You could really see how she was doing this because she loved working for her clients and she loved taking care of her clients. And that's something I think of very often um, now while I'm doing that. And so after my time there um, as a graphic designer and art director, I moved on to another company where I was a creative director and we did some really interesting things in variable data and I ran a creative department. I was able to hire and develop people and I thought, wow, I actually really like managing people and developing people, you know, with their work skills. Again, something I hadn't approached. And we did a lot of both of both of the jobs I was at, we did a lot of work with either nonprofits um, or maybe some associations. But just, you know, about two years before I had decided to start my own business, I thought, you know, there these these people that these are great organizations, but they can't necessarily go to somebody that has a huge amount of overhead. And you know, they're really missing out because they're doing such great things and who's going to help them. And so this, so my formative business ideas were, were between the years of 2007 and 2009. So anybody who remembers that you could see the recession coming if you were looking at job postings, <laughs> um, because they went from frequent to not very frequent to almost not at all. Mm -hmm. And so what I really felt a calling to let's get out there and let's help these smaller organizations. Let's help them get the right tools to be impactful and to really do what they love. So I started by choice in the middle of a recession, <laughs> um, which some people think was crazy, but it was exactly the right entry point for me. Well, you know, I, uh, I started my business in 2011 too. So I guess that's kind of on the, in the th in the throes of the recession but i think to your to your point of starting within the recession and, and thriving um it shows that you can you can grow and and succeed and in lean years and good years and uh, i think that will serve you well through throughout however long you intend to, to run and build your business because you kind of got in when it was when it was the roughest <laughs> absolutely well what i think was very interesting was I started out just to be very straightforward. I would talk to people and I would say, what's your budget, what's your time frame, and what would you like to do? Mm -hmm. And then I would make marketing recommendations based upon those. And then I would always scale the scope of a project. And so what, and because you could do, you know, there's such a range in cost of what you can do for different things. And as we've grown, that's shifted a little bit, but we always are able to say, here's where we think we can help you. And here's where we think we can train you to do your own. And so especially during this very scary time where businesses were and nonprofits were trying to navigate to have somebody to come in and say, let's see what we can do with where we are just so we don't stop and completely stall out was very well received. And so it was interesting because I felt like I was doing it a little bit differently than other people were, but it, it was what felt right to me. And then it was just me in the beginning. And then soon after about two years in, um, we had some larger projects that I pulled in some, some old colleagues in on. And I thought, 
this working together as a team is really fun. I really like this. <laughs> and that's where our team grew. And so, you know, we've evolved over the years, but we really have our core group of, of people. There's about eight of us. And um, it's really great to work with a team. And it's really a lot of fun. Um, one of the things you had asked was, what, what would I recommend to people, um, I guess, starting out their own business? Mm -hmm. And one of the things, one of the funny stories about in the beginning is I was like, all right, I really feel called to start my own business. I really think there's a need. I really think I can help. And I made the decision and I started to save money. Well, after I made the decision, I started to read a book. Um, and it's called The Business Side of Creativity. And it's by Cameron Foote. And it talks about all the reasons to start a creative business and all of the reasons not to start a creative business. Well, I had already decided, but I hadn't read this book yet. Thankfully, most of my answers fell into the right category. <laughs> um, but it was very, very helpful to look at how to get started, how to run a creative business, and, and to really look at there are certain characteristics and disciplines you need to have as a business owner, and you need to make sure you have those. And so that's really what I've learned um, is, is going through this. But I think if somebody has an idea and they can be disciplined, they can work really hard, they know when they need to bring in others for help, um, and they can be very honest about their capabilities, um, I think that's a really, I think that's, and there's a need in the marketplace. I think that's a really great reason to start your own business. And you just, you have to be read, willing to do the work. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, I got to give a small shout out, um, is the Being Boss podcast. And, mm. and their motto is, do the work, be boss. And I love it because it's like, you can't just run a business without doing the work. You do not have to stretch yourself thin at all hours. Um, but running a business is work. And so making sure you are up for doing the work that's necessary to go into a business, um, is really important before you start it. I'd agree with that. And it, it's similar to, well, there's a, there's a book called the E-Myth and that's what I, I recommend to non-creatives, but I think I'll definitely start re recommending the business side of creativity. And I'll, I'll add that link to the book in the show notes so folks can grab it on Amazon. Um, but you you have to you have to do the work as a business owner because people think oh business owners they have it easy you know they start their own thing they make so much money and they have so much free time and they don't they no longer have bosses but I tell people you know I traded in one boss for you know multiple clients <laughs> and so each client while isn't necessarily a boss but it's a new person that you have to take direction from or understand their vision and scope of what they want and that can kind of be difficult if you have different clients different personalities different ways of doing things different value systems and so as a as a business owner and entrepreneur it takes that agility to say okay here's how to work with this client here's how i'm going to work with that client and um it's it's definitely hard work and, and work that has to be done you can't just you can't just fluff your way through that type of stuff Absolutely. And I would add, you, you kind of have to have thick skin a little bit because yeah, you have to adapt, you have to have thick skin and you need to be confident in your, in your skills. And, and one of the things that I would, that I love that you were talking about is, 
and this has been a conversation I've been having kind of among some, some other creatives is, you know, people think owning your own business is all that glamorous. Um, they don't see the low points, you know, they see the high points and they don't know that you're working really hard to make these things happen, that it's not just floating through. And so I think, um, I think that's important to share with people is that, you are doing work to run your own business and, and you're taking responsibility, um, for different things. And absolutely you do have the flexibility for knowing, you know, personally for me, if I don't need to set a meeting before nine 30 because of traffic in Baltimore, mm -hmm. I don't, I will, I would rather sit down at eight o'clock work for a good hour and then hop in the car and have me take 30 minutes to get somewhere as opposed to an hour. And so just small things like that, I think, are really great um, that you can do. But just because you have this flexibility, typically you're doing it so you can accomplish your job, accomplish your work in a more efficient manner so you can get more work in. Right. It's all about efficiency and productivity and, and making the most of your minutes. Absolutely. And one thing I wanted to add too, when, when you're looking to start your own business is know that, you know, again, know the skills you have and know the skills that you don't have and, you know, find a good accountant, find a good banker, find a good lawyer, I would say. And then the two most important decisions that I've made as a business owner, um, that have supported my business are, um, I got a business coach, a little over a year into my business. And then I think two years later, I work with an outsourced CFO. And so they are amazing because working with a business coach helps you learn your strengths. It learns you how to deal with some weaknesses and blocks mm -hmm. um, and how to make yourself accountable and how to set goals and how to get to them. And then working with a CFO is really, really important for small businesses because you need to make sure it's not just, oh, more money is coming in than is going out. You actually, if you want to plan things and you want to forecast things, I'm a creative and I can tell you now, <laughs> I love to look at my forecast and my budget. It is exciting for me because that shows me how am I doing? Um, what can I plan for? Can I go to this business conference? Or I want to go to this business conference next year. What do I have to do between then and now to get there? And so really having those team of those that team of people that you can reach out to um, are really very important. But I would really say, um, and you can out you can have an outsource CFO. It doesn't mean you're hiring somebody. You can have a CFO that you meet with, you know, one hour a month or two hours, two to three hours every quarter. And they're helping you walk through and understand your financials because to be a small business owner, you want to be financially stable. Yeah. I was uh, taking notes there for our, uh, Instagram. I'm going to tell people get your outsource CFO because it does, it, it helps you have that roadmap. It gets you excited. It keeps you accountable to your goals. It makes sure that you're able to uh, rally your team and say, hey, we've got to hit our numbers and let's celebrate once we hit our numbers because this is what we can do on the other side of it. And that's not to, to drill down business to one thing, but I, I, I often think of uh, finances as the, the lifeline of a business. And so if, if you don't have capital, then capital is a lifeline. And if your lifeline is constricted, then your business is constricted. And so 
having a champion like a CFO, outsource CFO to work with uh, is super, super awesome. And it, it sounds like it's creating uh, excellent returns for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I, can I give them, can I give them all a shout out with their names? Yeah, sure. By all means. <laughs> um, my business coach is Susan Katz from the Susan Katz Advantage. I love um, Susan. She's amazing. Yes. She's amazing. She's a wonderful connector around town. And she actually connected with Keisha. Keisha Jones from K Jones Consulting is my outsource CFO. And I will tell you, those two ladies have been so instrumental to the growth of my business They've celebrated me with, with me in the great times and they've walked me through those tough times. And so really that allows you to feel you're, you're the, if you're a solo owner, you know, I'm, I'm the only owner of my business, mm -hmm. but I have these great partners that I can bring in and I can lean on and they can help me walk through these things because that's, you can't go it alone. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I know Susan from, um, we're both members of the center club and Keisha as well. And uh, I, I ran into Keisha at a uh, executive forum. Um, they were getting Susan runs a executive forum, and, yes. and they were getting ready to to go into the meeting. Um, so yeah, I have to circle back with Keisha because it sounds like she's doing some great things. And Susan, I love Susan. I love the videos on her site and the work that she's doing in the community. And uh, I'd love to get to go to one of her. Um, she does the, the, the business owner retreats uh, to, get, to get going with one of those. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, it's been a pleasure. Now, you've got, a, you've got an event coming up soon, right? When's your, your next Lunch and Learn uh, in September? Yes, our next Lunch and Learn is September 27th, and that's at our office um, up in Towson, South Towson, we'll call it. Um, and we are going to be doing a panel. So we are going to be talking about how to write grants for marketing dollars or capacity building grants. And so we are going to have a couple of grant writers on the panel um, that have gone through this process and have been successful, as well as the grant librarian from the Enoch Pratt Library, who is familiar with all of the resources there. So I'm very excited. I expect this to be a pretty full capacity events. Um, so we are going to, we usually do our lunch and learns around, we usually do 25 people. I think we might be able to push this up to 40 people. So um, we are going to release registration for that probably a little, probably by about mid-August we'll release re registration for that. So be on the lookout. And if you want to be the first to know, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Rebecca, it's truly been a pleasure. Folks, if you're listening, make sure you visit our website at redstartcreative.com. That's red like the color. Start as in the opposite of, uh, or the same as go, and then creative.com. Uh, so redstartcreative.com. And uh, do you have any social handles that people can reach out and, and say hey? Absolutely. So pretty much right across the board, on uh, Facebook, we are Red Start Creative. On Instagram, we are Red Start Creative. On Twitter, we're Red Start Creative without the E. Okay. Um, not enough characters. Um, and then you can also find me. I am on both Twitter and Instagram um, at Rebecca T. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you for being on the show and uh, looking forward to your upcoming Lunch and Learn. Thanks, Joey. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Business, Life, and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? 
Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLC Moments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.